0: plushcare.com slash weight loss
1: no andre vasilevsky no problem what was everybody worried about anyway <laughs> the yeah, tampa andre bay who? lightning andre yeah who? exactly i mean Vassi yeah i seem to remember him um nice opener for the tampa bay lightning and they beat nashville five to three with the empty netter Nick Paul, if you're looking for a guy to uh, pair with Nikita Kucherov, a couple of goals, Kucherov with an empty netter, but man, Paul on that power play, I guess Steve he'd be taking the place of maybe Alex Kalorn down in there, that center middle position, whatever. Mm-hmm. But but some you know some scrappy uh, rebound goals that you know doing the dirty work down in there, and his big two hundred and something pound body laying in there, got it done. It was it was an exciting game. It was a close game. I thought. The the lightning played a terrible second period, but if you could erase that, all in all, looked like the Tampa Bay Lightning. They were fast. They 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 dominated play for most of the game. Like I said, you can't erase that second period. But uh, and um, you know they they get the dub, man. Which on opening night is really all you want to do.
0: Well, not only do they get the dub, but they have the best record in NHL history on opening <laughs> night. Oh, do they? A, a minimum ten games played. They're now twenty nine and two in thirty one season opening games. I I did not know that, as Ed McMahon would say. It's yeah, a six sixty seven points percentage. So wow, that is the highest among franchises. See ahead.
1: now, if you had told me that, say about twelve hours ago, I could have mm-hmm. made it some money. Oh. But instead, you kept that stat to yourself. I did. Um, but it was an entertaining game, and it was it was quite a night. And and you had not. You hinted at this, but you didn't tell us, and so mm-hmm. we had to wait and find out. Man, the pregame with the, with the eight Hall of Famers was really cool. <laughs> they, yeah. In case you missed it, they brought out eight of Tampa Bay's Hall of Fame players from all walks of sport. It was Derek Brooks. It was Rondé Barber. Mm -hmm. It was Fred Boggs. Wade Boggs, Fred McGriff. It was Dick Vitale. It was Mm -hmm. Dave Anderchuk, Rick Peckham, and Phil Esposito. Really cool. And I asked you, because I wasn't there, who got the biggest ovation, you said it was probably Espo. Yeah,
0: he always does. When it it comes to
1: lightning stuff,
0: it's, Mm you know, look. Without Phil Esposito, none oh, of that exists.
1: No, none of this happens. We're not talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning. We're not, you know, they're not, you know, raising Stanley Cups in the building and all of that. Um, but but you know, this game could have gone a lot of ways. And Nashville has a young team, and they're trying to change their style of play. You know, I was listening to the broadcast on TV. Um, they were a team that didn't score a lot of goals last year. They want they want to certainly emphasize that. Um, but they pushed after the first period. They looked a little tight. They're a young team, but they they, uh, they really made it hard on them in the second period. And I thought maybe this was going to get away from them. But, you know, the power play goals certainly was, was the story, as well as um, a penalty shot, uh, which you rarely see, you know, especially in a season opener. Mm-hmm. It's only the uh,
0: – Hagel became the seventh in player in NHL history to score a penalty shot in a season opener. Think about that. I mean, they've been playing hockey a minute. He's only mm-hmm. the seventh guy to do it, and it yep. was a beautiful goal. It's been two years since a uh, Lightning player scored a penalty shot, but yeah, Brendan Hagel, Bear, I mean, I I, I think it's. I, I don't know. I I think hockey should give you look. If you get a penalty shot, you should get to choose. Do I want the shot or do I want the two minutes?
1: Yeah, because I mean, it yeah. really is. It, it's not an automatic as you've seen. You know, when they go to the overtime shootouts and no, things it's like more that. like twenty percent. Yeah. Right. That's right. So it's sometimes yeah. not a very a very big bonus, but no power plays are generally in that, that realm too yeah. as far as percentage. True, true.
0: But you know, I or or get the penalty shot and if you miss it then you get the two minutes.
1: Right. That's a good point. Or maybe you get a minute or something. I don't know. Or maybe you get one minute or something, yeah. But Brendan Hagel buried it, so Now, I'm trying to recall um did did that give them the lead, or did it expand their lead? That gave, that gave them me, a three two lead. lead. That gave them a yeah. three two lead. Yep. They within about eighteen seconds, it seemed like they scored a couple of goals. One on the power play, then the penalty, and um, and then of course they kind of put that one away. But listen, I I, I can't. It, these things are to me it, not being on the ice, not really you know seeing sort of like the whole you know on TV. You get kind of a distorted view of things. Steve, did they look really quick on skates? I mean, did they look I mean, could you? Was there a perceptive? These guys have a little, little pep, little jump. I mean, it is the first game, so everybody should be fast. But um, you know, this is a team that had the longest off season it's had in four years. Mm-hmm. Well, I expected,
0: and we talked about this. You know, I expected them to come out hungry, and the first period yeah. they were, and they were, they were all flying. over Nashville. Yeah, they were flying up and down the ice. They were tons you know, of shots. They, they look like you want the Lightning to look like, right? the second period they they had a bad penalty or power play themselves they got a couple pen, they had to go on the penalty kill a couple times and Nashville took control and it was a, it's it seemed like it was a habit last year a habit maybe not a fair word but it seemed like it was a common occurrence that second period when you have know, the long yes. change in that the lightning would get into trouble mm-hmm. all the time it felt like last year right and, and you know you started thinking, having flashbacks to that this year Mm-hmm. that, you know, what is it with the second period and the Lightning? Because that was a struggle last year for most of the season. Yeah. But they were able to, you know, pull out the two power play goals. I mean, Nick Paul's such a big body and got great hands in there. Like, he kind of took Alex Kaloran's spot on the power play, but Alex Kaloran didn't spend as much time in front of the net as Nick Paul does.
1: Right. I and mean, Corey play. Perry was more of that that garbage mm-hmm. guy, if you will. Yeah. Um, I mean, he I on
0: the be. second power play unit, he would be there, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but you know now, I mean, if Nick Paul is sitting in front of the net like that and using his hands, I mean, this power play is now Steven Stamkos, an elite shooter; Nikita Kucherov, an elite playmaker; Braden Point, just an elite player. Yeah, Hedman or Sergei take your pick. And the point mm-hmm. and Nick Paul in front, like who the you want to stop? Yeah, I mean, I mean that's tough. That's a tough power play to stop.
1: Well, it, it's one of the best in the NHL. And John Butchegas, I think, was doing play-by-play for ESPN um, or whoever had the game. Was it ESPN? It was ESPN, remember. yep. It was Butchigas. Um and, and he just kept saying, you know, one of the most lethal, lethal power plays in in the NHL. And it is. Because, I mean, look at the names on that power play and the way mm-hmm. they were able to move the puck. Um, you know, they did everything. They kept trying to get it in the center there to point all night long. We got Stammer, a couple of one-timers, um, but when they're on they're very difficult and yeah if you're going to if you're going to plant that body i mean nick paul you tell me like last year seemed like you know when he came over what from winnipeg right was no it was ottawa, ottawa ottawa yeah which can you imagine ottawa with him still i i don't know how ottawa would part with a guy like that but when he came over the first time he was kind of like a little bit of more instant offense. I mean, he, he did everything, and, and he had a great start. And then last year, for some for whatever reason, the goals kind of dried up on him. And I'm not sure why, because he is such a big body, and he go to the net, and he has great hands. And for whatever reason, it, the, he just couldn't get the goals to go in for him. Yeah, he started off hot last year. Yeah. Like,
0: he had a lot of goals pretty early. By the time he got to Thanksgiving and that, he he had a – Decent amount of goals, and, and it yeah. dried up the second half of the year. Now, you know, don't know, but he always looked, like, slower than usual mm-hmm. last year, particularly so they later had something year. bothering him or injury or something. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, hockey players, I mean, they play through everything. Yeah. Um, so you never really know what's going on. But he never looked – the second half of the year never looked 100%. Yeah. And, you know, for whatever reason. But for him to get two goals on opening night, that's huge for the confidence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you go as long as he did to end the season last year without goals, like that wears on you. It's a mental grind, yeah. yeah. And, and even though, you know, the coaches, you know, Nick Paul's role on this team isn't to score goals. No. I mean, they want some goals from him, but they're they're not expecting him to, you know, put up Braden Point-type goal numbers. But when you go that long without a goal and you're more than capable of scoring goals, that wears on your confidence. It yeah, wears. Sure it does. wears on your play. Sure it does, and, and maybe it was because he was hurt, or maybe it was just a confidence thing last year. But two goals opening night is is to me is huge, because like, he's a player that you, you know with everybody you've lost in that he's got to have a good year this year, right? You not
1: you know, doesn't have to score thirty goals, but mm-hmm. he needs to have a solid season. Well, and you, and this is the thing about this team because there's so many new faces on it that you you know who the who the core is, you know who your stars are. But what's going to really determine whether they win a lot of games or go deep in the in the playoffs or not is going to be who are those secondary scores, right? Who are those guys that aren't named Kucherov and point and, you know, that, that sort of thing, um, Stamkos. So, you know, to, to get a guy like that to come out like Nick did and, and get you two goals on opening night was pretty good. Look, best player on the ice, Nikita Kucherov's ridiculous in my opinion. I I thought he could pretty much do anything he wanted with the puck tonight. Mm-hmm. He is,
0: he's an elite player. He and, really and is. He's one of the very few players in the NHL that can control a game from the half wall. Yes, you know yes. he's not a center. I mean, most of the guys you talk about in those terms, yeah, you're are right. centers. Mm-hmm. You know, Nikita Kucherov's not. I mean, he controls the power play from the sidewall. Totally, he can control the game from there. It's
1: wild to see him be the point guard on the power play mm-hmm. from over there. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hedman and circuit Chef's on the point, but really, it's it runs through Nikita. It runs through him, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and and he's he's so good at you know that little touch pass inside the point that they overplay that and and that creates you know shots for everybody else. But you know, and they they obviously shade. You know, they try to shade towards Stamkos if they can. The other thing that that stuck out to me, Steve, was. They beat a really good goaltender, mm-hmm. you know, who had a pretty good night. all things considered, I thought. Yeah, I, I mean, what what shots that he, that he let in? Or do you think he should have stopped? None. I th- I, I thought know. he stopped more than I. I mean, they, he stopped some great shots, yeah. and the ones they scored, I don't know what he could have done about them. Mm-hmm. There, were, I mean, you could say, well, if there's not a rebound here, you know, mm-hmm. maybe you know maybe you know you don't get a, one of those you know easy goals or those those tap in rebound goals but for the most part like he's he's correct me if i'm wrong he's one of the better goaltenders in the nhl and he showed it he played really well i thought no question about it saros is. but but yeah. the good
0: thing for lightning fans is jonas johansson matched him. phenomenal he, phenomenal he had a great game he had a great game yeah. and yeah. you know the players talked i mean you know he went 3 and 0 in the preseason right and he picked up – he stopped, uh, what, 28
1: of 31 shots. Not bad, man, for your first time out. mm mm-hmm. And you, was calm. You know, the one thing you notice about him is that you don't notice about him. You know what I mean? Like, he made stops, and, and he made the ones you need him to make. But the rest of the time, there's no flailing around. Like, a lot of times – I don't know. I watch goaltenders not name Vasilevsky, and it seems like there's an awful lot of wasted movement and, you know, flailing around and whatnot. This dude was just solid. He was always, you know, Mm -hmm. positioned well, um, handled the puck when he needed to pretty well, probably better Mm -hmm. than Vasilevsky, who always scares the hell out of everybody. But, you know, to come out there on opening day, and I think when they were introducing the team, this much I could hear um, over the radio, at least, was Andre Vasilevsky may have gotten the biggest ovation. He wasn't in, he's on the roster, so he got introduced, but Mm -hmm. obviously he can't play uh and and then he'll go on what i is he an i l or something like that so for, he's uh, he was on i r tonight but it, okay then what well, then today yeah
0: he'll he should go on long term injury
1: long term injury uh, l t i r okay. but they introduced him, and so you mm-hmm. know the crowd of course went yep. nuts and and then for that kid to go out there and try to fill those skates the way he did um and i i didn't know who this guy was six months ago, you know um and he looked like somebody who's been playing in the NHL for ten years. You know, he, he was just he was just solid, you know, just, just make make the stops you need to make. And I thought they played pretty well around him. I thought they helped him out quite a bit. Which is gonna I think in the long run that you know, we talked about that how you know, the recognition that you don't have Vasilevsky back there, you can't give up all those odd man rushes and think he's gonna bail you out every time. That that might help their game overall. The other thing I noticed, Steve, was that you know, last year at times, unless Braden Point was in there, like you saw them kind of kind of be slow to get it out of their own zone. hmm There was no none of that. I mean, I th- I thought that they did a great job of getting it, getting it out of there and you know, getting it across the blue line and and, and just you know, forcing the action for the most part. Like it, you know, the second again, the second period obviously Nashville dominated um, had their most shots, I think, and, and, and it was not a great period. And, and Cooper talked about that. But aside from that, that one hiccup, um, for the most part, they did a nice job of, you know, a couple quick passes and, mm-hmm. and then across across it goes, you know. Well, and we talked about, look, I mean, this
0: lineup has a lot more speed. It, it, it looked faster to me, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, you don't have Maroon, Perry, Belmar. You're mm-hmm. adding guys like Tyler Mott. Yep. Who got hurt, and we'll see what right. his status is. Luke Linddening wasn't the fastest guy in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but Luke Lindenning, mm-hmm. uh you know, you added guys with speed You right. can play with pace. Right. That you know that fourth line didn't have. While Terry Marilla looked great too. Mm-hmm. Um. You know the the new guys. The you know they're faster. They play a different style and it allows the team to just play faster because every mm-hmm. line can now skate. Right. Well, I thought they did well in the faceoff dot. They were what, fifty-seven percent for the game. Luke Lindenning, nine that. nine and nine and four. Right. Stamkos was, was twelve and five. For... Yeah. I mean, you know, if you can control the face off dot like that, Ryan O'Reilly who's a really good face off guy, was twelve and nineteen. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a huge sign for the lightning. It's something I think Luke Lindenning's gonna be a huge pickup for this team. Yeah. And a lot of people think of him as a face-off specialist, but he can do more. But just that alone, I mean, for years, this Lightning team has struggled with face-offs. Stamkos has gotten much better over the years.
1: Right. And, is, you know, before Glenn Denning, I would say he's their best guy. I mean, in general, their special teams, you'd say, won the mm-hmm. game, right? I thought their penalty kill was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, so... And that starts with your goaltender, but I, I, you know, they they did the things they needed to do in a game that, you know, really they they took advantage of every every, you know, opportunity w- with the penalties that the Nashville gave them, um, you know, bearing some power plays and then of course, um, you know, the penalty shot which you, you rarely see, but mm-hmm. uh, that that too is not automatic. What'd you say? It's like twenty percent or something like that. Yeah, around there. You know. Yeah. Which you think of it as, oh, what a bonus, you know. But in reality, mm-hmm. would, you know, would you almost rather have the, the two minutes and, and, and try to go that route? But that was a hell of a He kind of, I don't know, he kind of sold him and then and went back what, mm-hmm. uh, over his pad. It was, it was, it was I don't know, it was, it was unique the way he came at him. First of all, it was speed, which is always, always a plus. Um, but it was a great shot. And and those aren't easy, you know, because you just have one, one, uh, one chance at it. But uh, that was a huge goal. That gave them the lead again, yep. and it came after a power play goal, and that was the momentum that they sort of rode throughout the final period.
0: Well, I thought the momentum kind of turned on the – Nashville was up, what, up 2-1? to one, That's right. And they scored. That's true, yeah. Yossi yeah, scored. it up. But there, yeah. was, there was goalie interference. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought that just kind of took the the wind out of Nashville's sail a little bit. They were kind of dominating. They were taking control. They, they were, were going to go up three over, to one. Yeah. They were going to go up three yeah. to one on that goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you turn around and get the power play goal quickly after that. Now it's mm-hmm. two two. And then Hagel draws the penalty for the penalty right. shot. Yeah, and you know I thought that I thought that was huge.
1: Yeah, the momentum certainly, certainly they rode that pretty well. So. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, you know, win, win, win. Um, No Andre, no problem. Uh, You know, all the guys showed up that needed to show up, and you've got still plenty of veteran core, and uh, they get to play the role of the underdog a little bit this year because I think, well, people probably think they're at least a playoff team. I don't know how many people are picking them to go back to the Stanley Cup necessarily. But it's only one game, and now they go on the road, which is – you know, it's kind of nice. I was I was listening. Who was I listening to? Braden Coburn, I think, was on the mm-hmm. radio earlier this morning, and he was talking about. You know, what's good is that you could. Yeah, I got the home opener, but then you immediately go on the road where there's sort of you know the ability to kind of bond a little bit mm-hmm. with your teammates. You yep. know, um, and you you kind of only do that when you when you travel. Um, but this is company. no easy
0: road trip. You're going to Detroit and Ottawa this weekend, back to back, and then mm-hmm. Buffalo two days later. These are the three teams in the division that see, barely missed the playoffs. Buffalo was by a point. Ottawa was in it till about the last week. Right. And Detroit was in it till maybe two weeks, two to three weeks ago. These are the three teams that are trying to knock the top four out to try to get in the playoffs. Like these are teams that want to make a statement in the division, want to get off to a good start. Mm-hmm. because they think they're playoff. They think they have enough talent to be playoff-bound this year. I mean, Ottawa last year probably, I mean, they were, or Buffalo, I mean, was a point away. Mm-hmm. One one more point, did they go instead of Florida, who ends up in the final. And Ottawa, like I said, till about a week left, they were in it. I mean, these are teams that improved over the offseason and want to make a statement. They have the lightning on the road, so sort of at their barn. Mm-hmm. This is not an easy road trip, three and
1: four. Yeah, I, and, you know, they, they flashed at one point um, over the last three, four, maybe even five years, they flashed the record of the Tampa Bay Lightning when Andre Veselsky didn't play. And and I want to say it kind of varied from, like, if you're talking about 16 games, there hasn't been one of those where you missed, you know, two months or anything. But, um, you know, right around 500, maybe maybe it, it, on, the, on the good year, 10 and 6, you know. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Now that's that's totally different scenario where, you know, maybe you're playing, you know, the backup goaltender on a back to back. you know, th- yeah,
0: that's the part of it is that
1: most of those games,
0: all right, a lot of those games are on back halves of the back to backs. Yeah, so on the, not, most of them are on the road. On the road, right? Your 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 main goalie plays most of the home games because mm-hmm. you you don't generally get back to backs at home. The lightning last year for some reason had two of them, which was weird. That's right. That's right. But you generally have back to backs on the road, or maybe it's a home, and then you go on the road for game two, vice versa. But mm-hmm. you know, so if you go five hundred without Andre Vasilevsky, and it's not because of injury, it's because of you know just need you know load load management or whatever you want to call it. I mean, that's you know what NBA does, but for goalies, if you go five hundred. And, and most of those are not advantageous positions,
1: back-to-backs, on the road,
0: et cetera. I'll take that every day. I don't care who your backup goalie is.
1: Right. But in this case, how many do you need to win? Like, in other words, could they survive with sort of a – and I don't know how many games he's going to miss per se, but two months seems like a good number of games. That's right? probably about 30. Yeah. So if you won – say you won just over half of them, maybe you're around 500 – is that is that keeping pace? Is that is that keeping you in in the hunt until he gets back? Like, what's the expectation, or what what would you accept, and say, okay, mission accomplished, Johansson, you did your job. This is what we needed you to do: is come out here and either win maybe one or two more than, than you lose, or keep us at least around you know five hundred in terms of points and things. I think if you're
0: at hockey five hundred by that point, you're you're okay. You're probably still all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. But I, I, I don't think that's what the Lightning are thinking.
1: No, they're thinking they'll win every game. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's, it's seriously, I mean, they, they, I mean realistically, they probably know. They won 62 know, one year and went out
0: in four, so they're, they don't really care about winning every game. No, but, it's
1: about the postseason. You just don't yeah. want to fall out of the postseason yes. this early. You're not going to make the playoffs this early. But you could, you could have, you know, dig yourself a deep enough hole to where it's going to be really tough no matter when he comes back. And so... You know, getting off to a good start, and it's just one game. But, man, the dude the dude looks solid, you know, like he really did. And he made some good saves, too. It wasn't, you know, just routine stuff necessarily. But mm-hmm. um, they they came at him, especially in that second period. Um, and then even towards the end of the game, you know, uh, they had a lot of opportunities. They had to look one long. Um, of course, they pulled the goaltender, and they had the man advantage and stuff and they couldn't get those guys off the ice so it was one long shift there but he he made big time stops when he needed to and you know gets his first win so that's a confidence builder for him right going on the road and and to get that first one at home was was huge i would think i don't know um, but i thought he played really really well they look like the lightning to me this is I, this, my biggest takeaway is that looked like the Tampa Bay lightning fair i mean that's it's like I've seen that game before. Yeah, I think I think it, it's they moved at a faster pace, right? Uh,
0: they had a lot of energy behind them. Mm-hmm. They got a little loose at times, particularly the second period, which is yeah. kind of typical of the Lightning. They they look a lot like the Lightning. Yeah, a
1: faster version of last year. Right, and and the extra time off, the fresh legs mm-hmm. are not gonna are not gonna hurt some of those older players in particular um and then you know you got to have some luck with injuries and all those things but hey away we go we've got hockey and we've got it hopefully uh you know throughout the fall the winter and, and who knows maybe into uh the early uh, spring and, and and such but um it was fun it was fun watching them. glad they're back it was a, it was a great crowd i know you were out there really early there, there had to be it seemed like there was a lot going on outside the arena during the day. I, I don't know how many people came down there, but it was a beautiful day. It was it was perfect weather wise.
0: Big boy put yeah. on a great show mm-hmm. right before doors opened. I caught part mm-hmm. of it, I didn't catch all of it, but right. um yeah, it was it was a great, great day. Hockey's back. You know, I mean that's it's you know, particularly with the Rays being out earlier in the postseason than you had hoped. Right. It's great Bucks to have hockey back week. and, and yeah. the Bucks are gonna return to action
1: this week and mm-hmm. they're three and one. Right. And did they sing Happy Birthday to you between periods? I just didn't know if that if that occurred or, or. Uh, they did not sing. No, no, no one sang. <laughs> they did wish me. Where else would you want to spend your birthday, right? Then from five a.m. Oh, <laughs> ah, well, you know. <laughs> I mean, your dad. You know, get some shirts and some underwear. You're good, right? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. You know. Yeah, they leave you like a, they leave you like a cupcake with a candle when you got home. I'm not sure how that worked. Oh uh, no, they didn't. They should have. I guess. But oh man. Yeah, at least
0: get something for like. right. I think we're going to
1: celebrate
0: uh, later this week. So
1: well, that's that's the beauty of having a birthday right yeah. when hockey season
0: starts. But well, and my son's birthday is uh, this weekend, so really that's the birthday that matters right now. Anyway. Oh,
1: absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you got to get that done. So yeah, good for the Lightning, one and zero. Uh, we will uh, talk uh, more about them obviously uh, as the as the days go by, um, and we've got more to talk about. Uh, as far as the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers as they get ready for their game this Sunday against the Detroit Lions. But first, you guys already know that it's still hurricane season in Florida. I'll let you know when that's over, but it's not. Uh, There is still time, however, for you to keep the power on without breaking the bank, and that's getting solar battery backup power from May Electric Solar. Now, with solar battery backup power, there is no fuel cost. There is no loud generator noise, no annual maintenance cost, plus May Electric Solar offers a 15-year warranty. Solar battery backup can save you hundreds of dollars each month, and if you lose power, a generator could cost you over $2,000 a week just to keep your house running. New solar battery systems qualify for a 30% tax credit, or you can add a battery to your existing in-phase solar system. Trust the pros in solar. To learn more about May Electric Solar's battery backup, or to get started, call 727-819-2862 or visit May Electric Solar.
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
1: All right. Well, it's going to be an interesting game. Bucks against the Detroit Lions. I was trying to think, like, when was the last time you remember The Detroit Lions being this dangerous in terms of its offense, right? And their defense is playing very very well with Aiden Hutchinson and all that. Um, But offensively...
0: You always felt their offense could be dangerous. I mean, you know, they had Matthew Stafford and Calvin Johnson. Well, that's true. You're right. You're right. You know, it was always kind of the defense couldn't keep up with them. Right. You know, and, and you go back further, Barry Sanders, and like you know, offensively, it seems like they've always had weapons,
1: right? Maybe they couldn't put it all together. Well, Matthew but Stafford, Matt you Stafford make a good had some point. great he's, years. He's, in he's an elite quarterback, and he proved that when he got to the Rams and won a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. much the way Tom Brady did in his first year. Um, you know, so there's that, but they are this this team. Um, it's 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 interesting because. You know, Tom Moore used to be a hundred years ago uh, the offensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions after he left Minnesota and uh, where he was a a receivers coach, and so he goes to Detroit and he was working under Wayne Fontz, and Wayne Fontz, of course, was with John McKay and was a defense coordinator here with the Bucks for years and years, and then he goes in there and he had he had Barry Sanders okay start there, uh, pretty good place to start, and then he had um, guys like Herman Moore remember him fantastic receiver one year set the nfl record for uh receptions in a season with 122 in fact he got that here in tampa on the final game of the regular season i want to say it was 95 right around in there um and he needed like four catches in the final drive and more, more was able to get him those uh and then they had johnny morton uh, mm-hmm. who was also a, another uh thousand yard receiver uh they were they were kind of stacked. I mean, they they had a really good team. And Scott Mitchell of all people was their quarterback. And Scott Mitchell had about two to three good years and then some really bad years. And then that year, um they they lost every year in the wild card. They went to the wild card about three times in a row. They lost to Green Bay a couple times and then they went to Philly. Um, but when you had, you know, they had like fourteen hundred yard receivers, a fifteen hundred yard running back. And a four thousand yard passer, but then Mitchell went to Philadelphia in the wild card round and had just a horrible game. He threw four interceptions, and they got blasted. You know, um, they were down like fifty something to eight or whatever it was, and and they they came back a little bit, but it, it was a it was kind of a disaster. And then the next year Mitchell was terrible and it kind of fell apart. But this this Detroit Lions team um, is is really really good, and they're very physical. They are a team that kind of matches the personality, finally, of, of sort of their city. Hard-working team. And the thing you worry about, if you're the Bucks, I know they were able to stop Alvin Kamara. And, and there was no question that they were going to turn and hand the ball to Baltimore Kamara and throw it to him. And Alvin's one of the best backs in the league. Um, but you didn't know what you are going to get from their quarterback. I mean, Derek Carr did not seem to be completely healthy and didn't take many shots down the field. Um, So they were able to shut down that run. But, you know, the last time they played a team that was this good running the football was the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, you know, two games ago. And they gave up more than 200 yards on the ground. And that's sort of what Detroit's going to try to do. Um, the, The Lions are third in rushing attempts this year. They've already got 165 rushing attempts. That's only behind, let me know if you think these teams are any good, the Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, that's the company they're in. And if I was going to rate the NFC, I would say San Francisco is one, Philadelphia is two, and Detroit is three. I think this is the third best team in the NFC right now.
0: I can't really argue with that. I mean, they're tough defensively. they got a mm-hmm. stud on the defensive line. Yeah, they do. Jared Goff's playing great. Here. Mm-hmm. They've got weapons on offense. They can run the ball. Right, right. I mean, they're
1: they're probably the third best team in the NFC and this is not overnight okay they're 4 and 1 coming nope. in here on sunday but they've won 12 of their last 15 games they mm-hmm. they're 12 and 3 going back to last november like they've been dominant in this in in this conference they and have. i don't think people are used to seeing a detroit team quite like this one um i'm telling you and you know they it's sort of always a mixed blessing when you have a bye week because invariably you have injuries and you always want to get those guys back. And the Bucks certainly have injuries, right? Um, and they have a chance to get, uh, you know, Clyde Jucansi back, who only played about 11 plays this season. Um, they can get other guys healthy, Jamal Dean. Um, you know, so there's a number of guys. Even Mike, Mike Evans is nicked up. I mean, he's coming off the hamstring. They took him out of the game against the Saints. So you want those guys back now, and this bye week will help towards that goal. But there's going to be injuries going forward as well. And, you know, you while you needed the week to get healthy, you had a little momentum at 3-1 and one coming off a win against the Saints. Now you come home against a team that, to me, is very similar in their physicality and their approach to Philadelphia. I mean, they don't have the mobile quarterback quite as much. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts is probably – got a little more run to him than Jared Goff, but they have everything else. And they have the attitude of running the football. And so we, we talked to Devin White, and Devin, you know, is is nursing an injury of his own. He didn't go home during the bye week. He had to stay here and try to take care of a foot injury that he got against the Eagles. Remember remember, he had the interception and it should have been a pick six and he couldn't run? Um, and, and so he took that into New Orleans and somehow he hung in there long, long enough to beat the Saints, but... He's not 100%. He's going to play this game, I believe. And he knows going in, I guess it's kind of a good thing that, you know what, this is going to be one of those games where, you know, you might need two chin wraps because they're going to line up, they're going to run the football right at you, and they're going to do it time and time again. Um, you know, with uh, David Montgomery, the former Bears player, who is seventh in the league in rushing. He's got 371 yards already. Um, he's already got six rushing touchdowns. So Montgomery's going to be there. He's their bell cow. And, you know, and White was like, good, you know, at least, you know, I, I know I'm, I'm going to be in it for about 15 tackles, you know, and I don't have to worry about as much play action and, and you know, some, some games they kind of stay away from them. But in this one, everybody's going to have to rally to the football and try to stop the run game because this team knows how to run the ball. They're very good at it, and that sets up the play action. Um, so as well as they played against Alvin Kamara, they're going to have to do that. And then some, and be, you know, a little more rally to the football and scrappy. And, and it'll certainly help if they get some players back, uh, to do that. But, um, you know, the Bucks are, I mean, they're, they've been good against the run. you t- You can't take out that 200 yard game that they had against the Eagles, which is sort of the aberration. But even with that, they're 10th in the league against the run. And, um, you know, this is what, this is what the lions do and you're going to have to stop those guys somehow, some way. I thought it was interesting, and, and, and this was a story that I wrote also on TampaBay.com and in the Tampa Bay Times. Luke Getticke may not want to be pulling on Superman's cape quite as hard as he already has. I mean, we talked to him. It was kind of a bonus day on Monday when they had practice. And, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, who you're very familiar with from Michigan, already has four and a half sacks this season and he leads the NFL with 35 quarterback pressures. That's in five games, 35. So he's, he's pretty much in the quarterback's lap, you know, half the game, every game. Um, and then he had that ridiculous one-handed interception against the Panthers uh, Sunday. And that, that, by the way, was his fourth. This is a defensive end. He's already got, Steve, he's already got four interceptions in his career. That sounds crazy to me. It's incredible. And he's got double-digit sacks, too. Yeah. I mean, he's— Yeah, no, he's 14 sacks over yeah. the last year in, in four games. I mean, you know, you're he's in the
0: same, you know, breath as the Bosa's and the Watts. and I think so. You know, I mean, he's that type of—and they move him around a lot now, too. Yeah. He's playing so stand-up and moving from
1: left side to right side. To, so you you don't know where to account for him, either. That's true, and and he's he's listed on the depth chart as a left defensive end, which means that Gattake would get him most of the time. But you're right, he's going to try Tristan Wurfs. So he's going to stand up in the middle of the defense. He's going to do a lot of things. He was the uh, runner-up a year ago to the Defensive Rookie of the Year. Um, and so he is, like, nobody would dis- disagree that he is one of the, already one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, like you said, in the, kind of in that bosom vein, if you will. And who knows where he'll end up possibly with a gold jacket one day. I don't know. But he's off to that kind of start. So then you have Luke Gedeke, who's kind of feeling himself because Luke has played well. Like Luke played his best game as a pro, I thought, you know, last week against the New Orleans Saints. I mean, he sort of stoned Cameron Jordan, which is hard to do. Um, And in the run game, he got to the second level, and he got, you know, Rashad White going a little bit. Um, And he was, you know, he, he was very complimentary when we asked him, you know, sort of about Hutchinson, and he said, well, you know, he's has athleticism, his speed, he's got a great motor, um, and that, you know, what sets him apart, uh, you know, he, he's just one of those elite guys, you know, in the league. But Then he said, <laughs> this is a part, I'll give you a story after this that'll let you know where I'm, com- where I'm coming from. Then he said, and I'm quoting now, but I've already faced Daniel Hunter, that's the Vikings defensive end, and I would put him above Aiden Hutchinson. And to be honest, and the Saints, Cam Jordan. <laughs> so we're kinda like, okay, are you you don't mean any disrespect, right? And he goes, No, none at all. He goes, he's a phenomenal player, but that's just the way it is. That's the way I see it. <laughs> I got news for you. So no sooner did this story hit. The why and look, I'm not trying to. This isn't like I got gotcha, Luke Gediky. He said it, and, and, and he was given a chance to say, "Look, I, you know, maybe I, maybe I'm speaking out of turn here a little bit, or I'm not." I, and he was giving lots of respect to Hutchinson, but to say I've already played better players, and I played two of them already better, and that's just the way it is. Eh. Um, and Hunter, he's not wrong. Like Hunter has six sacks, right? Already, he's a phenomenal player. He's got five quarterback kits already. Um, And, you know, we know the history Cam Jordan has against this team. So there's no question that those two guys are are, are in the elite status as well. And it played maybe a little longer than Hutch. But, man, I don't know that I want to be sort of given what was grease board material or bulletin board material, whatever they have these days in in the locker rooms or the meetings. Um and, you know, and, and he did he did praise his ability to have four interceptions, and he's like, look, that's you know, guy works his tail off, like he's great. Eh, i'm a, I'd be a little leery of that. I really would. And so here's what's funny. So I've got a good number of Twitter followers. I'm I'm close to sixty thousand or whatever it is, and so every now and then one will pop up, you know, you're now being followed by the Detroit Lions defensive line coach followed me <laughs> uh just the other day uh and i'm thinking maybe he wanted a link to the story i don't know maybe he's just a fan want a little think. intel yeah a little intel see what are they doing what are they writing about the bucks uh, what are they writing about the lions down there oh here's something on Aiden hutchinson you think that'll make it back to the big guy i do a little bit a little bit a little bit yeah i think so so Luke, uh, you wrote some checks, my friend, and you're gonna have to, somebody else is gonna might have to cash them, but you're gonna have to cash them too because he's gonna be he's gonna show you that he might be the best defensive end you played this season. I'm just saying. And my my fear for the Bucks would be this that you lost your momentum. Bye weeks can do that. You trade it for good health, which is always usually a good trade. Um, you should have some fresher legs, even the Detroit will have. But uh, as good as they have been to start 3-1, and one, unimaginable, you'll take it any time. And the only loss to Philadelphia, which is the second best team in the NFC. If you lose this game um, and those other teams in the NFC South, like Atlanta and New Orleans win, yeah, you're now a half game behind them because they haven't had their bye week yet. And so you could go from first to third fairly quickly. And then you've got to play Atlanta at home the next week. So three and one could turn into three and three and two games out of first place. That's how that's that's sort of like I used to say this that, you know, week one is a liar. Very often September is too, right? I don't think teams really figure out who what their identity is and, and kind of where they fit until November. And then those teams that are going to go to the playoffs start to hit their stride because they've played, you know, eight, nine, whatever weeks they have their identity and then they and then they get they they start to separate. You really start to separate after after Halloween. Um so the Bucks need to keep pace, you know, even though they have a half game lead over everybody in, in the NFC South Those other teams, you know, we just saw Desmond Ritter lead Atlanta back to a victory against Houston in in something that he answered a bunch of critics for. He has not done that yet in his career, and he is able to do it. And then, of course, the Saints aren't going to go away either. You know, the only team that's not competitive right now is Carolina. They haven't won a game, but, you know, by the time the Bucs play Carolina, they'll they'll probably be much more experienced with, you know, Bryce Young and everything else. So um, this is a, to me – this is a very important, they're all important, but this game seems like a seems like a, a swing game. Like, if you get this, now everybody says, whoa, okay, well, yeah, we, we definitely underestimated the Bucks. Some people had them in the power rankings at 31st. Now I see them as high as in the top 10. But if you beat Detroit, like I said, I think Detroit right now, when they play them on Sunday, is the third best team in the NFC. I think it's San Francisco, I think it's, um Philadelphia and and, and, and I, I put Dallas behind this team because Dallas has been inconsistent and they're two and two anyway. So I, I think this is the third best team. If you can get these guys, doesn't mean you're the third best team necessarily, but it really sets it up nicely for playing an Atlanta team at home the next week and, and the ability to really separate yourself in that division. Because you got some tough games coming up, you got to go to Houston, which suddenly Houston with CJ Stroud is is a tough out, right? They, they like I said, they could have won that game against the Falcons the other day, and and then you go to San Francisco. Oh no, I am sorry, I got this wrong. You go to you go to Buffalo, then Houston, then Mm -hmm. San Francisco. Those are those are three pretty tough games after Atlanta. You know what I mean? So this is this is a, a tricky kind of month. Like it feels like. You know, just when the season came out, I felt like, well, they're not going to beat Buffalo. They're not going to win in San Francisco. I still believe they're not going to win in San Francisco. Buffalo didn't look that great against the Jaguars. But then again, it, the game was in England and who knows, you know, jet lag and all that. Who knows what would cause them to sort of sleepwalk through the first half. But, but those are not games that I would typically, even as well as the Bucks are playing, say they're going to win. So now that's why this game is so important. Because if you beat Detroit, you tell everybody else, we're for real. You have the momentum of, you know, winning that game in New Orleans, the bye week, come out of it, win, and then you play Atlanta at home, which is a huge division game. And now you can say, okay, well, you know, some of these other games, maybe maybe Buffalo's a little better on a Thursday night, short week, us traveling, but, but then we still have, you know, we still have Houston, but then we got to go to San Francisco. So it gets tougher. And, and to me, this is the one that will make a statement for them because, you know, Three and one can quickly become three and four. You know, that that's just sort of the NFL. And um, it's either crisis or carnival. When you win, you feel like you're never going to lose. And when you lose, you feel like you're never going to win again. So that's that's sort of where they're at. And Baker Mayfield was interviewed by everybody. And we'll have a chance to talk to him uh, today as well and uh, see, see how his bye week was. Although I think I felt like I was with him uh, at the Red River Rivalry and all the stops that he made in between. Um, so, yeah. It's going to be interesting. We'll be back out there at the Bucs as they get ready for their game on Sunday. And it's, of course, the throwback week, the uh, the creamsicle week. You know, get to bring out the orange and all of that. So that'll be fun. All right, so later this week, of course, we'll have Matt Baker talk a little college football. You can also send in your email questions if you have them or whatever questions. You don't have to email them. You can send us to us on Twitter at SportsStateTV. You can send it to me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at Tampa Bay. Com. Lightning win, 1-0. We're going to go undefeated this season. I just kind of feel it. For Steve Verstek, I'm Rick of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.